Well, hello, CMYK community, and welcome to another CMYK Talk podcast. This is Matt, and I'm so glad that you have chosen to just be a part of uh, potentially this community, at least this talk, and just exploring some things that we think really matter and are an invitation into a more beautiful way to interact with the world, people, and stuff around us. So thanks so much for being a part of this. We are in the midst of a talk series that we're titling The Art of the Lament. And it's really a study on a book that we find within the Bible, Scriptures, the Book of Lamentations, and working to wrestle with how do we how do we properly process and, and respond to all the pain, hurt, and brokenness that's in and around us. There's something happening, it seems like, for many of us that we just keep going, man, are these punches just going to keep coming? Is just is this just the state of life right now? And us looking at our newsfeed and just getting depressed and frustrated and angry, whatever it is, feeling like, man, is there any hope for some of these things? Is there any hope for some of our lives? Whatever it is. So how do we go about life when we get in this state and we get in this place and it feels like there's so much going on? And so we've been taking the last couple of weeks and are going to take the next couple of weeks past this to just continue to talk about this and really look at, okay, what is lament and what is the invitation of scriptures for what a healthy lament could look like? And as I said last week, I, I just got to continue to say thank you for making this series such a, I think, just a profound and beautiful series on many levels, so many of you engaging this stuff, practicing this stuff with us, whether it's on Sundays or whether it's through this podcast, and uh, as much hurt and pain and brokenness as there is around us, just some really beautiful work and practice coming out of it as well. So thank you uh, to those of you listening to this that have just continued to engage on this stuff. Today, we look at Lamentations chapter 3. And remember, Lamentations is this text that we find a community of people, a group of people that have literally had their world decimated. We look at their belief system and structure and everything they kind of leaned into as far as this is what the divine is and this is how the divine interacts with us. And that is all in shambles. And they're questioning, is there God? Does God even like us? Does God even want anything to do with us? And remember in the text of Lamentations, there is no voice of God found at all. So this is a group of people that are going through intense doubt and struggle in their belief system. Everything they grew up believing is now in ruins. On top of that, there's a family system and structure that they had in place for this is the most beautiful way for us to interact with each other, and that is now gone. People have died, and they're curious, okay, how am I supposed to interact with the world? I thought this was healthy and good, and now that thing is gone. These people are gone. How am I to interact in community and friendships and family? And then last but not least, we see that all of the political power that they once had, they were once this shining city on a hill, is now rubble. And so every, every ounce of influence or significance they once had as a country, as a nation, is now gone and they're the laughing stock of the world around them. They literally are in this place of desolation and frustration. And this is what we see narrated in this text, people showing up to this kind of rubble, this kind of wreckage, and choosing to speak into it and take ownership of it. This is what we see in Lamentations chapter 3, starting in verse 1. The narrator says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. 
He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. This is someone that is looking to point his finger and say, this is too much pain for me to just take on myself. This has to have come from somewhere else. And he's pointing his finger at God, the divine, and saying, this is all your fault. This is too much. One of the interesting things that's happening in chapter 3 that really is taking place throughout the rest of the text of Lamentations that we just got to talk about with this art of the lament is the way that these chapters and verses are arranged in the original text. As you may know, as we have an English text that I just read from, the original language of the Bible, of the scriptures, is not English. But particularly when we look at the Old Testament scriptures, those were written in the language of Hebrew. It's an ancient language that really isn't used to this day. And what we find is that these chapters and verses of Lamentations chapters 1 and 2 are 22. So there's 22 verses in chapter 1, and there's 22 verses in chapter 2. And what's really fascinating is when you look at the language of Hebrew, you see that their first letter in in the Hebrew alphabet is Aleph, and then the second letter is Bet, then Gimel, then Dalet, then He, then Vav, and continuing on. 22 letters make up the Hebrew alphabet. When we look at Lamentations chapter 1 and 2, 22 letters, 22 verses, and the first word in verse 1 starts with the letter Aleph. And the second word, or the second verse, first word, first letter, is Bet. And the third verse, first letter, first word, is Gimel. So it's this sequence, it's this acrostic that is created with the text. So if we were to look at it in English, we would say this, verse 1, first word, first letter would be A. Verse 2, first word, first letter is B. Verse 3, first word, first letter is C, then D, then E, then F, and so on. 22 letters to complete the entire Hebrew alphabet for every letter. It's fascinating. But something interesting takes place in Lamentations chapter 3. Things change. And all of a sudden, rather than just uh, 22 verses, what we see is there are 66 verses in Lamentations chapter 3. And rather than a structure of verse 1 has A, verse 2 has B, verse 3 has C, what we see is the first three verses are A, the the next three verses are B, the next three verses are C. So there's this intensity, this ramping up of this acrostic that is taking place. There's a really interesting things happening here. Why would they choose to organize this text, this lament, in this kind of way? Why would they go about it in this poetic kind of acrostic? A few years ago, my dad asked if I would uh, come over and he was going to pay me to do some work to clean out a room that he has at his house. My dad uh, works in computers. He you know, fixes computers and helps get them faster and teaches people how to use their computers, these kinds of things. It's a home business that he's been doing for years and been successful at it. But he's always had this room in the back of his house that anytime a computer died or anytime he parted a computer out and so it was just kind of bits and pieces, he would throw all those bits and pieces in this back room. And he did this for years. 
and he would, you know, start stacking computers on top of one another and start stacking cables and cords and soundboards and memory all, you know, in different places of this room. And it got to the point where you literally could not even open the door because it was so full, ceiling to floor full of computers and junk, some of it dead. It couldn't even work that kind of junk. And my dad never went in there. He just continued to maybe open the door, crack, throw something in and close the door really fast. And so he asked me, he said, hey, I just need someone to come in and I need someone to organize this room because I have no clue what's in there. So it took me days, days of going through everything in that room and starting to put together all the different kinds of you know, hard drives and memory and cables and ethernet, whatever it is, and putting all of these things in some kind of order. And after many days of doing this, we were able to, A, walk in the room. <laughs> Big deal, right? We were able to walk in the room. And on top of that, now we could actually see what was going on. We could actually see what my dad had. Okay, he had this many hard drives. He had this many monitors. He had this many printer cables, whatever it is. And if he needed something, he could find it quickly and easily. It's the same amount of stuff that was in that room. It's the same mess, technically. All the parts and pieces that were part of that thing that we wanted to avoid and do nothing with are still in there. There's just some order to it. And it's the order that allowed and brought the invitation to say, come on in, let's figure out what's going on and get what we need out of this. Compared to the chaos of a room I don't know what's in there. Just close the door, hide, <laughs> don't deal with it. Maybe you have a room, maybe you have a drawer, a junk drawer like this at your house. It's just easy because many times chaos is overwhelming. And so we just avoid it. I mean, you take a picture of something like the alphabet. If you were to jumble all the letters and look at it, there's something in our brains that it just feels like a mess and we're not quite sure how to engage it. We're not quite sure what it is. What are we looking at? It's just a bunch of random letters and we're trying to spell words and we're trying to figure out, okay, what are they communicating? What are they saying? It doesn't feel like all the letters of the alphabet are there. There's not enough or maybe there's too many. It's too jumbled, whatever it is. And then you take those exact same letters and you just bring order to them you put them in a line, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, and all of a sudden your brain instantaneously sees and recognizes, oh, that's the alphabet. I get it. Same letters, but it's just got order. There's something about this work of the healthy lament that what is happening in Lamentations is there's so much chaos and destruction there's this desire to point fingers and blame. There's this heartache and pain. And what you and I can easily do when it comes to lament is it becomes overwhelming. It becomes that room in the back of our house that we just want to keep the door closed. Don't go in there. Don't look at it. Don't deal with it because I'm not sure how I'm supposed to. Uh, what do I do? It's just too much. It's too overwhelming. And I have no clue what I'm going to get into if I start to enter into that space. And there's this work of the lament that we see with this acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet that order is found. It's all the same parts and all the same pieces that were always there before. It's just there's this work of saying, let's put this part here, let's put this part here, let's put this part there. And maybe at that point, 
we can start to enter into it differently and deal with it differently. You see, I, <clears throat> I think this is something that art has been doing for years. Art, as artists, people, looking at what's going on around them. And many times it is heartache, pain, brokenness, loss. And it's taking these things and it's bringing an order to it with music. It's bringing an order to it with different colors and paint on a canvas. It's bringing order to it with words written on a page or spoken. This is what art has always done, taking the artist's experience and all the rubble that's around and trying to bring some kind of order to it. You take this song from Beyonce. This is the song Hold Up from her latest album, Lemonade, which many people say is dealing with her heartache and pain that was happening between her and her boy, Jay-Z. And so this is her creating out of that. And it's an incredible album. It's beautiful on many, many levels if you haven't checked it out yet. But what's fascinating about this is this is song, this specific song, is actually a collection of a lot of parts and pieces. It's a sample that you're hearing that's used from a 1963 song by Andy Williams. On top of that, the idea of uh, hold up, they don't love you like I love you, that line, they don't love you like I love you, is inspired and originated from a tweet from 2011 from the front man of Vampire Weekend. That's where she got that. And then on top of that, Vampire Weekend, he tweeted that because he was inspired by a 2003 song from a band called the Yeah, Yeah, Yes. It's all these parts and pieces that are coming together to create this song called Hold Up. In fact, the album as a whole, it has over 100 collaborators listed. In other words, this, yes, Lemonade is a work of art, but it is a collection of a bunch of parts and pieces and mess and hurt and pain and brokenness. And we'll take this song, we'll take this idea, and we're just bringing order to it that for us as the listener, Beyonce as the performer, there is this experience walking in the room, looking at things, dealing with it, feeling it in a unique and different way. This is art. And this is the invitation of the art of the lament. To understand that in the midst of our own hurt, pain, and brokenness, that there are rooms, there are spaces that we do not want to go. We do not want to talk about it because it's hard. It's called lament. But there is this good work of walking in there and starting to bring order to it. Starting to make an acrostic, if you will. Starting to make a song, a painting, to just write it down. This is why journaling, this is why trying to create art out of the painful things that are going on in our life is so therapeutic and important to who we are because we're actually dealing with it. And again, it doesn't mean that we're fixing everything. It doesn't mean that parts and pieces are just thrown out and we're actually dealing with things. But it means that we are invited to actually deal with it rather than just hide from it. See, what's fascinating about Lamentations chapter 3 is, remember, it's an intense acrostic. It's 66 verses instead of 22. It's repeating the letter three times every time we see it, that many scholars and theologians look at this text and say, okay, this is the climax. This is the most intense heartbeat, passion, anger, rage that we see in Lamentations. And so this is where the acrostic intensifies because of the amount of passion and rage involved. 
how many of us have found this place where we're like angry at somebody and we're going into an argument or something comes up and we just, our emotions take over and <clears throat> maybe it is out of lament, maybe it is out of hurt, pain and brokenness, things that are going on. And so we speak and all it ends up coming out being is just this <laughs> emotional vomit all over somebody and nothing is really communicated and nothing is really helped out at all. For some of us, that's just like an argument that we have regularly. It's just this us just emotionally uh, throwing things at people, but not, there's no order, there's no understanding, and there's nothing that actually comes from it. The lament is an invitation to sit and to write and to process and to bring order to it. That you and I, yes, feel it deeply and strongly. And in the most climactic, intense, rage kind of moments that we have, we are able to sit down and we still have some order to be able to say, here's what's going on. Here's why I'm frustrated. Here's why I'm angry. And it's not just emotional bile that we bring to the table. It's actual order and processing. This matters in our laments. The second thing that I see with this text in this interesting acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet in Lamentations is not only is it bringing order to chaos, but this is an order where it's from beginning to end. It's A to Z. There's this holistic thing that's happening subtly in the text by them having every letter of the alphabet represented in this order. In other words, this lament is not meant to just look at a tiny picture or a tiny element of what's going on, but it's a holistic what's happening on every level, A to Z, or in the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph to Ta. What's happening here? This is important because particularly in lament, and I think many of us see it in our world and culture right now, in the midst of heartache and pain, in the midst of frustration and rage over what's taking place, we see one thing. We see an article. We listen to one person, an interview, whatever it is, and we feel it. And I'm not saying that's not that's bad to feel it. Yes, feel it. But our response to that is a step of bringing order to it and working to understand holistically what's happening. Do I get this from A to Z? Because I can't truly feel it and I can't truly do a, have a proper response to it until I see holistically what's taking place place. Not just my own opinion, not my, just em- not my own emotion because of this one article, but am I somebody that's working to see the other side and the side over there and the side over there and the side up there and the side down there, whatever it is that there's an A to Z approach to this. What's really fascinating is we actually see this within the text of Lamentations. There's these lines and moments that are incredibly harsh and angry towards the divine, towards God. So we see things uh, like, God has pierced my heart. And then there's lines, God has driven me away. God has ground my teeth with gravel. Ugh, like this is an intense scene. God has trampled me in the dust. So there's this anger and rage, frustration, accusation that is brought against the divine. Okay, it's part of lament, yes. But then in the same chapter, we find texts and phrases like this. God is good. God's love is great. God is compassionate. God is good. There's a holistic approach to this lament, that it's someone saying, 
yes, I hate this, but at the same time, working to recognize, but there's still something good here. It's, lament, lament is not an invitation into nihilism. Lament is an invitation into a holistic view of the world and the divine and what's really going on. It's in this place that we find, for, for some of us, this narrative of Christianity has, has really let us down, if we're honest. Because how many of us have been in that state of lament? We've been in the hospital, we've heard the bad news, and someone shows up, and all they show up with are these statements of God is good, God's love is great, God is compassionate. And for you, you're more in that other camp of, no, God has pierced my heart, God has driven me away, if there isn't, isn't even is a God. God has ground my teeth with gravel. And for some of us, Christianity has only been that one side of God is good, God is good, this is beautiful. There's something profound in this lament that it's holistic and it's understanding the contradictions and the tension of this is hard and painful, but this isn't the end. This makes me really, really upset at the divine, but I believe that the divine is potentially still loving, and it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't always work, particularly in the climax and the heat of the lament. And the thing about this, to be holistic, to bring order to it, it takes work. It doesn't take work to read one article on a subject on Facebook and feel like you're now an expert and you can post and comment and say whatever you want the next time you are at Thanksgiving dinner. That takes zero work. That's just emotional vomit that we're bringing to the table, honestly. True lament is bringing order to things, working to understand something, seeing the contradictions, seeing holistically A to Z, and then in that, being able to walk into that room and understand, okay, here's a little bit of what's going on. It might not fix everything, but at least there's a better grasp. This is <clears throat> holistic. It has to be. And the last thing that I see with this order brought in Lamentations is that it's an invitation to find yourself. A couple years ago, I uh, was invited to watch this documentary entitled The True Cost, and so, some of you have heard me talk about it before. But The True Cost was the show, um, this documentary looking at clothes, ma clothes manufacturing around the world, particularly cheap fashion, and what cheap fashion has done to us when, when we you know desire to buy a t-shirt for $3 or $5, that's great for our wallets, yes, but what does that do actually to the rest of the world? Because what we're seeing is, you've probably heard of sweatshops, that what we're seeing is there are people literally killing themselves for pennies a day to be able to provide me for a t-shirt for $3. It's this crazy thing. And so this documentary was showing pictures of people literally giving their lives and chemicals being used in, in, in different uh, plants and fields and processes that are truly killing and hurting people and the leather industry and what's happening there. Like it was just heartbreaking. And, and I, I found this rage starting to rise with me. I was so mad that this was taking place and that we lived in a world where a $3 t-shirt was causing this child, this teenager to have a horrible life because of a $3 t-shirt. Like it was so frustrating to me. 
And then they started flashing the different brands that have purchased clothes and have these manufacturing sites in different parts of the world. And they flashed the name of a company that I was wearing their clothes in that moment. And I had to fully realize I'm a part of this. As much as I'm angry, as much as I'm enraged and frustrated, as much as my heart is breaking over what's taking place, I have and am playing a role. I am not outside of this. This is something that I actually contribute to by the way I choose to spend my money and what I choose to purchase. I'm only propagating that message and helping them find success in this work. To look at something holistically is to see I play a role in this thing. When we look at a list of things like that we would traditionally lament, like addiction, when someone's an addict, or homelessness, when someone's homeless, or someone is greedy, and it frustrates us, and it angers us when we see greed on the rampage, suffering, racism, when we see racism, and whether we read it on a newsfeed or we hear different things that are going on, or just injustice in general. For many of us, our knee-jerk human response in these moments to things that we would lament, addiction, homelessness, greed, suffering, racism, injustice, these kinds of things, we do not want to find ourselves in the midst of it. So if someone is maybe be, maybe going through addiction, the knee-jerk reja- reaction for all of us is to say statements like, well, I'm not an addict, or I'm not homeless. And we know that someone is homeless, but we remove ourselves, we step outside of that lament. We step outside of that issue and that problem. We say, well, but that's not me. I'm not greedy. I know people are greedy and I know greed is bad and wrong, but I'm not greedy or I'm not suffering to the level that they're suffering. I know that there are racists out there, but I'm not racist. I'm not unjust. And for many of us, this is what we've seen happen, particularly in the last months couple years of our country is we become a group of people that are continuing continuing to work to remove ourselves out of the lament. And there's something in Lamentations chapter 3, bringing this order, bringing this holistic A to Z kind of lament that we must see ourselves in the midst of it. That this is not they, this is us. Because they are a part of of this city. They are a part of this country. They are a part of this world. And so am I. I am not separate. I am not outside of. I'm a part of this. And so it's an invitation. If we will sit down and do this work of organizing laments, however we would do it, of moving from they are and I'm not to we are addicts. And we are homeless, and we are greedy, we are suffering, we are racist, we are unjust. That we take ownership and see ourselves in it, and just like me watching the true cost, okay, 
the way that I choose to spend my time and money, the way that I choose to talk about them or talk about that, the way that I choose to post this or share that, whatever it is, it's propagating this message. It's doing something negative, and I'm seeing holistically how I play a part in this. My money talks, and so I can say whatever I want online or say whatever I want over a cup of coffee with a friend all I want, but if I go out and spend my money on certain things and in certain ways... I'm communicating and I'm a part of something because this is my lament and it's holistic and I'm a part of this brokenness. I love the way Sung Chung Ra says it in his book, Prophetic Lament. He says, our claims must first shift from the defensive posture of I am not a racist to I am possible and culpable in the corporate sin of racism. We must move from let's get over it to how do I personally continue to perpetuate systems of privilege. Justice must move from the third person to the first person, from the abstract to the personal. If we're going to truly lament and we're going to truly see things move forward, this must be a part of our work. And so, my friends, where is that closet? Where is that room, that drawer in your life? That there's lament there, there's hurt and pain. Are you somebody that's bringing order to it? Writing about it, talking about it, creating art out of it, whatever it would be. And are you somebody that is working to see holistically what's happening And then are you somebody that's finding yourself in the midst of it? The way that you are playing a role in it, no matter how distant it may feel, that you are a part of this planet just like they are. You are a part of this city just like they are. And this is ours to lament. And I have a role to play. This is why, for me, the Eucharist, communion, the Lord's table, is so continually powerful. Because it's an invitation around these three things. It's an invitation to see that there's organization brought to something much, much bigger. It's just bread. It's just a cup. There's really nothing magical here, but it's bringing order. It's bringing language. It's bringing art, if you will, to this hurt and pain, this brokenness, body broken, blood shed of Christ. And that we are able to find something to order ourselves around. It's holistic in its contradiction. It's a simultaneous meal about the broken body and bloodshed of Christ, the hurt, pain, and brokenness that we all carry, breaking ourselves and pouring ourselves out for the suffering of the world. Yes, but simultaneously it's pointing towards this thing called resurrection. There's hope, and it's this contradiction that doesn't make sense many times, but this is a holistic approach to the world and what's going on. And last but not least, we are invited to partake, to be a part of it. This I am the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. This is us and I play a role in this thing. That's why we break bread together, because it matters for us to remember and lament in some organized ways. So I hope you find space to do that. 
I hope you find a journal, I hope you find a guitar, I hope you find a canvas, clay, whatever it is, that you are able to do that. I hope you have community where you can have these conversations and meals. And I hope that you and I can all see the ways that we are playing a role in the brokenness in our world and we are invited to spend, give our energy, our time, our thoughts, our words to something else, something better. Let us go and create a better world. I love you, and we will talk to you next week as we continue on in this series.